Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. Indeed, blessed is the fruit of the womb of Mary, because the fruit of that womb is Jesus Christ. And we know from the very beginning that God preserved Mary from original sin so that when Christ came into the world, when the second person of the Trinity became incarnate, he would come into a sinless vessel, a new ark of the covenant that is pristine, that is perfect, that has not been stained by the original sin, by the fall of humanity. That's one part of Mary's life. The part that I think we forget is that all the rest of her life, including the time in which she's bearing the Son of God into this world, and in the years that follow, she remains full of grace. She remains sinless. So on one part, it is indeed the action of God that preserves her from sin. But on the other part, it's her taking that grace that God offers her every day and offers us every day and actualizing it, living according to it. Let me tell you a story. So it's a story that a priest tells his people uh, before, or right around the time of World War I. He is from Poland, and he tells a story of growing up in a small Polish village. As he's growing up, the, a clockmaker would come regularly to their town. And what his job was to do was not just to build clocks, but most especially to repair clocks, and just as important, to keep everyone on the right time. Now, over time, the clockmaker simply stops coming. And then, over time, people who were winding their clocks every day just stop winding their clocks. And the reason why is that they have no one to keep them all in sync. So at some point, one by one, they just start thinking to themselves, why try? I mean, all of our clocks are not telling the right time. We're all over the place. So they just stop winding their clocks. And furthermore, because they're not winding their clocks, being attentive to their clocks, their clocks from inside begin to corrode and begin to rust and don't even work anymore. Except for one man. One man in the village makes a choice to continue to wind his clock. Even though he knows that it's not keeping accurate time. It's not perfect. But he keeps attending to it. Now, one day, a new clockmaker arrives. And the people run to him and say, hey, you need to repair our clocks and also put us all in sync with one another, with the proper time of day. But because they have not, A, been winding, attending to their clocks, and B, because of that, their clocks are rusted and corroded, he is not able to do much to help them. Except for the one man. Because he was attentive to his clock, the clockmaker only had to make minor adjustments, and then he was in sync with the right time. The priest concludes his homily by telling his parishioners that this is the Christian life. 
we are to live our lives in sync with God. Our lives are supposed to be in rhythm with His grace. And when they're not, then our lives, our souls, our relationships with Him and with others and the way we live our lives become corroded, become rusted, become corrupted. And our lives don't work the way that they were created to work. But we can't be like that man who is attentive to our lives in relationship with God and do our best to be in sync, although we know it's not perfect and we're not, we're not perfectly in tune with God and in time with God. When God comes to us, then he's able to make only minor adjustments. And then we are back in sync with him. I tell that story because I think it offers us an insight into certainly our readings today, but also into this feast, this solemnity we celebrate of the Assumption of Mary. Because Mary, yes, was offered grace at her own conception. A grace which, by the way, God offers her from eternity through the cross of her son who is just now being conceived. That's the actions of God through eternity. But then that same grace that God gives to Mary across her life, which she accepts and chooses to live by to keep her life in timing with God, in tune with God, in rhythm with Him. Because her soul was in perfect sync with the Holy Spirit. We know that she was without sin. She was not corrupted by sin. She was not uh, corroded by sin. And because of that, when she moves from this world to the next world, she does not die. We do not call this feast the death and assumption of Mary. We call it simply the Assumption of Mary. And that's for us as Catholics. But the other historical church with us, dating back to the time of Christ, Catholics and Orthodox, the Orthodox call this feast not the Assumption, but the Dormition of Mary. Think dormitory, sleep. The sleep of Mary. That simply according to the timing of God, when she falls asleep one day, one night, the next time she wakes up, she is in heaven. She does not die. Because understand that death is a consequence of sin. A direct consequence of sin. We see that all the way back to our first parents, all the way up to you and I, and until the end of time. And eternal death, unless corrected by Christ, which it has been, would be the eternal consequence of our sins. Eternal separation from the Father, from the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But because Mary had no sin in her, she does not even experience temporal death. But it doesn't stop there. Because she was full of grace, she lived the highest pitch of existence that one could possibly reach 
in relationship with God as a human being in this world. And therefore, she experiences in the life of heaven the highest pitch of existence as a human being in relationship with God through her son. Meaning she's as close as anyone will ever get to experience the fullness of the life of the Trinity in the life of heaven. So here's the question that we all have to ask ourselves, both for here and now and for all of eternity. Here's the question that the Feast of the Assumption and the life of Mary in general poses to us. How do we want to live our lives? Because we can live our lives always doing the work of struggling against sin. And always doing the work of throwing off the chains of sin. Like through the addictions that we allow ourselves to fall into. Yes, we could do that. The work against sin is a lot of work though. Or we can do the work of grace. Like Mary. Because the grace that God gives to Mary, God gives to all of us across our lives. But it's not magic. It is one part and a big part God's work, ultimately through Jesus Christ, affecting our eternal life or eternal death. But our temporal life and the work that we do also affects our eternal life or eternal death. So there's no escaping work on our part in this life. But if we cooperate with God's grace, if we do the work of accepting that grace and living according to that grace, then we can also be more and more filled up with the life of grace. And if we are, then we live not only closer to God in this world than many other people experience Him, but we'll also live, as Bishop Robert Barron says, at a higher pitch of existence in the life of heaven for all of eternity. So we will experience God at a higher level of existence than other people in the life of heaven, even though we all, if we make it to heaven, will be in heaven and experience the life of heaven there are degrees of existence and the pitches of experience. Experiencing the life of Trinity based upon how we live that life of grace. How we accepted that life of grace. Many people, I think sometimes we avoid the work of growing in holiness because we think it's too much work. But the opposite side is we end up doing all the work of of, of struggling with sin. So again, the work is unavoidable. It just comes down to what work that you want to do and how you want to exist in relationship with God according to that work here and now and for the life of eternity. An eternal death, because we cooperated with sin but didn't cooperate with grace or the life of heaven 
at a lower pitch of existence or a higher pitch of existence because we struggle most of our life against sin, filling up with that rather than filling up with grace and making no room for sin. Which, by the way, when you read the lives of saints, yes, they struggle with all of us because they are imperfect like you and I. But they also note in their lives and in their writings that the closer and closer they get to God by filling up with grace, the less room they have for sin in their lives. And the less they're attracted to it. And the less they live under its slavery and according to its rules and its dominions. So it's a question for all of us. What work do I want to do? And how do I want to live my life here and now in existence and relationship with God, knowing that it will forever affect the pitch at which I experience the life of Trinity forever and ever and ever. 